everybody, and welcome back to Aligning America. I'm your host, Vincent Miller, and let's jump right into things. First of all, we have Matt Gates, everybody's least favorite Florida Republican representative, back in the national news. Why? Well, because, as you may remember, yes, he is a Republican representative who was known as the sole vote against the sex trafficking bill that passed the House not so long ago, and is also somewhat known for adopting in some weird stunt, perhaps, but now seems to give a bit more insight. He actually adopted a child, a, a mid-age, mid-teen age boy named Nestor, though this was unknown to the public at the time. He has recently come out and talked about Nestor as some sort of almost intersectional kind of, hey, look, I've adopted a boy from Cuba. Aren't I not Republican? That's kind of the play he makes towards the centrist votes. It, it does seem to work a little bit as he is very obviously a representative and has won his elections. He is currently however, under investigation for being involved in a possible sex trafficking case, which now, uh, of course, that sounds horrible. And it is. We'll talk about it in great length today. But it does seem to hinge on a technicality, that being, of course, that it seems in a past relationship with a 17 year old girl, Mr. Gates actually paid for his and her plane ticket, which is technically qualifying as sex trafficking, as he was not a minor and she was. And his payment of her transportation is by dictionary definition, sex trafficking, as they were known to be in a romantic relationship, which again does seem to confirm that there's some questionable actions going on. He claims he is the victim of an organized criminal extortion involving a former DOJ official. He believes that the Department of Justice is out to get him, or at least vindictively so, on one case in one case by one man, or at least one cabal. And now, of course, it does seem that he has named him. His name is David McGee, which is a very fun name to say, I, I would remind you. This is a Department of Justice official, David McGee, that... The law firm for which McGee works at denies all claims as defamatory. So there, right off the gate, does seem to be a bit of pushback. No evidence nor any real substantial pointers at all that Gates can can use to show that he is possibly under attack by Mr. McGee. However, Mr. McGee does deny them all. And with that, Luke Ball, another fun name. We've got a plenty of them today. Uh, this story in particular, Luke Ball a longtime aide to Gates seems to have departed his team without giving a reason to the public. This, of course, seems to insinuate that maybe, just possibly, the accusations against McGee are entirely false and they are just being used as somewhat of a whataboutism in some sort of smoke and mirrors plot in order to keep the accusations on Gates out of the limelight. Now, this did not pay off and now it is a national occurrence. Someone leaked, it is unclear who, but somebody leaked the fact that he was under investigation and of course has made national news because he's a very polarizing figure, much like every time anything AOC does, says, or eats is on the front page of the New York Times. Here we are again with another politician doing something far worse, possibly sex trafficking, possibly having sexual uh, intimacy with a minor as a 30-year-old, which again is weird. I do not agree with those who defend that behavior, even if she was willing. That is predatory in nature, especially when you hold such a power dynamic in the relationship. I do not think that that is a healthy relationship, nor do I think that, quite honestly, it is a defensible one, as just by the inherent structure of the relationship, you've got problems. Now, there is the argument, oh, well, she's 17. That's pretty close to 18. And I don't disagree. I've been 17 and I know what it's like to be 17. And you do have a lot of agency over yourself and almost all the agency over your own actions. That cannot be disputed. 
However, again, consent is not what I'm arguing here. I do not believe that she did not consent. She would not have traveled with him sans a gun at her head. There's no reason she would have traveled with him for that other than the the true pleasures of being with him, which very well could mean a lot of money, could mean blah, 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 blah. However, this again, not to diminish sex work either, could mean that she was a prostitute or perhaps, and I only bring that up because there have been documented cases of women like this being with higher echelon men in society, especially in politics in the past. And actually, there were reports out that perhaps she had slept with another representative in Congress. However, no names are being named. And that entire court proceeding, that indictment, that investigation is still going on. So we do not have the information required to make any definitive statements. However, we can claim with some degree of certainty that Matt Gates is a bit worried. He does seem to be sort of a, a rat's jumping ship situation with some of his longtime aides that have stuck with him through thick and thin. And if you look at some of his past scandals, it's a miracle they leave now. It does seem that he's in a bit of a tough spot, which does beg the question, what happens if Matt Gates is out? Now, we've seen a lot of politicians have their rise and fall, particularly in the past five years, four years with Trump, either them being Trump sycophants and then having him lose or being anti-Trump and then losing their own seat. It does seem to be how it goes. You look at Jeff Sessions, he is no longer a, a Republican prominent, and that is because he was anti-Trump for quite some time. You look at Lindsey Graham, was a huge pro-Trump. Now that Trump's out, it does seem he's taken the backseat. He doesn't seem to be as prominent. And these power dynamics matter. These dynamics are, are truly palpable, especially in an organization such as the Republican or Democratic Party, a party system where, yes, there is a linear chain of command. There is someone higher up. However, for a large part of the organization, be it representatives and senators, they hold what is ostensibly the same amount of power. They are technically the same. Yes, Senator Dianne Feinstein, and then looking at something like Senator Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, there is a huge clear-cutted who is favored by the party and who is not and whose organization does not roll with Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. That, that much is obvious, as anyone can logically conclude. However, that doesn't mean that just because there is pure favoritism within the party system, that does not mean that they do not get to exercise the same strength and control over at least their own agency. Does show when you see people go out and, and do more brash things than you would imagine the party would let them, be it going out and voting against the party and a bill you're particularly heart set on or abstaining from a vote when you feel they have not given you enough in negotiations. These things can all be demonstrated. This this level of power can all be demonstrated. And so it does show that each individual senator and each individual congressman have a great deal to bring to the table as they are all representatives. They all technically hold a, a, a similar amount of power. So if you look at Matt Gates, you look at other Republican representatives and senators as party politicians, as faces of the Republican movement, the populist movement in the wake of Donald Trump, you see people like Matt Gates who do seem to want to take the helm. He's young. He's trying to be hip. He does seem more in tune with younger culture. He tries to play at that. Is it going to work? Well, maybe not. It may have. However, now he's kind of not going to make that work because, well, you know, he might go to jail. Also in this story, not just to harp on Matt, it does look like, again, unconfirmed and, and nonspecific 
However, other representatives within the state of Florida seem to have been in on a bit of a game. Now, you may say a game. What do you mean a game? Isn't politics the game? And you're not wrong. However, this game was much more childish, much more like a high school football team than than a state legislative branch. That, of course, being a game to see who could receive the most sexual favors from female coworkers. Yes, aren't we all appropriate in 2021? Now, it looks like Matt Gates may have been in on this and multiple other men were in on it as well. There is no party specifications. It does not appear that they only went for Republican men having access to the party, having access to this club. But as disgusting as it is, it would seem that Democrats were also in on it or possibly at least aware of it, which would then call into question why on earth hadn't they called themselves out? If it wasn't mutually assured destruction, of course, that is a popular theory going around now that maybe perhaps Democrats were also in this group and were essentially forced into a position where they could not call them out on it because they would be harming themselves. It does seem somewhat plausible. And and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not here to say I know anything with any amount of certainty. However, I would speculate that this is more on the true side, looking at a few specific interactions, even with someone that I truly do respect. Ro Khanna, of course, being a progressive, semi-populist Democrat, does seem to have interacted with Matt Gates in the past and has actually deleted some of those interactions online in some sort of cutoff maneuver. However, it took him two days after the story broke to actually go out and condemn him, which is a, is a very long time. Silence is deafening. And what it honestly seems to me is that if Matt Gates was known for going around, as stories seem to suggest, going around and showing off sexual conquests, I can't imagine that a friend like Ro Khanna wouldn't have known about this. And one, should have been obliged to call him out. Or two, at least gone and leaked it. He didn't have to do it publicly. But this, of course, does seem to further empower the theory that perhaps it was both sides in on it. And and that would be a bit disturbing, of course, though all of it is to say, what's wrong with these people? Are you 10? Are you 15? This is ridiculous. You're adults. Get over yourselves. This is disgusting. You should be in the the office of serving the public good, not sexualizing your female co-workers You are, of course, some of the most powerful men and women, specifically in this context, men in America. This is honestly just a bit ridiculous, mind boggling and and stupid. Not, of course, that it doesn't have overwhelmingly negative connotations and consequences, which it does. But it really is to say that it's a it's a difficult story to cover. And it's definitely as it breaks will be a huge, if not first page news nationally because it will affect the party structure of both of these parties. It will see who is indicted and who's not. And if nobody is, it will cause even more questions, which is, you know, a scarier thought because it means more work. And honestly, I'd rather just know who these creeps are so we can kick them out and move from there. And our second story today is going to be about Trump's Easter memo. Now, I'll keep it short because no one wants to hear it. However, the memo, to abbreviate, basically said, hey, hey, everybody, do you remember me? Do you remember me? Do you, hey, God, do you remember me? Because in the entire length of the very short memo, all it seemed to do was lament the fact that the media was not constantly covering him. There was not a 100% media presence at every single event that Trump seemed to give. Though, again, I haven't been hearing about many of them, and I'm very pleased with that fact. He is no longer the president. Stop putting fuel on the fire. It's ridiculous. 
So I agree with this strategy. I am 100% behind the fact that you should not be covering him because all he's doing is endorsing people you know he'd endorse and calling out things you know he'd call out. Trump also called for the boycott of the MLB All-Star Game, which was moved out of Georgia following a very controversial law put into place by Georgia lawmakers who have now made it a crime in typical Georgian fashion, have made it a crime to give food or water to anyone in line for voting. Now, of course, you may know famously some of these lines in Georgia, which have been historically repressed in order to keep the black vote down and to make sure that Republicans could continuously win elections in classic fashion with gerrymandered districts and difficulties to do either mail voting or in-person voting, these both being difficult in Georgia Though in many segments of African-American communities, you saw 11 plus hour lines to vote. That's ridiculous, reprehensible and undemocratic. Apparently, Coca-Cola seems to feel the same way. Along with Coca-Cola, the MLB game was pulled out of Georgia following this law put into place. These two corporations seem to clamp down. And why? Why would they do that? Well, it's because public favor. Public favor seems to go in the way of Democrats because they are the majority as much as Republicans may hate it by numbers and sheer numbers alone. Democrats overrule them. So with that theory, you have a larger market share of people on the Democrat side. So why wouldn't you as a corporation side with the Democrats? It's more profitable. Even at the base level, the corporation is looking for profits. So as you can imagine, there was immediate backlash. Republican lawmakers, PR heads, and even some personalities, internet and not, coming out to say boycott the MLB, boycott Coca-Cola. Donald Trump being one of those people. Now, it is so easy to say, wow, this feels a lot like cancel culture to me. I thought we hated cancel culture. I thought the Republicans hated cancel culture. Um, well, that doesn't seem to be the case. It often seems that that is true whenever it is aimed at a Republican, either someone saying something racist or a past remark that was very questionable in today's climate was called into question and then removed them from a job or a listing or regardless, that's how it usually shook out. But as soon as the tables are turned, no shock, people flip-flop. It's what Democrats do, it's what Republicans do, it's what every politician seems to want to do, it's what they live for, apparently. And yeah, so not surprising, that I won't harp on too much because we already know it, it's been beaten into the ground, who's shocked? But it does seem to, to show that there may be a bit more interactive nature building between corporations and Democrats when it comes to anti-democratic thinking, which could be concerning for Republicans, as if corporations immediately sally out to help Democrats, a Democratic population at least, every time Republicans did something wrong, quote unquote, wrong in their state, that would mean that pretty soon we would see a lot of corporations catering to only blue states, which could be a horrible precedent. And I don't mean this as someone who lives in California and would still get all the benefits of being in a blue state. I mean, for polarization and for unity and cohesion in a country, that is awful and reprehensible and not going to work. So even as someone who supports the efforts of Coca-Cola and the MLB in this pulling out of Georgia following that absolutely undemocratic abomination of a bill, it still sets a terrifying precedent, not so much by nature of what it could do. Oh, no, the MLB game's going to be held in, I, I don't know, Illinois instead. That doesn't worry me. What worries me truly is that in the future, that will be the constant threat. And instead of saying, oh, no, we can't put down this absolutely soul crushing abomination against human rights in our state, 
instead of saying, oh, we can't do that, they'll say, oh, yeah, we'll just bite the bullet, put it through anyways, and then have corporations leave, thus furthering either poverty or division in those states. It does not look good, in my opinion. I, I think it's a terrible slide to, to go down. And honestly, it only feeds on itself, which is possibly the worst part, as it's not self-containing. And our last story for today, I'm going to keep it short just because looking at the time, don't want to make this run too long, but I did think it was important to mention Arkansas has passed a House Bill 1517, 1570, as I'm going to call it from here on out. It is a bill that bans medical care for transgender minors as it regards and pertains to their gender. This does mean hormones and general acclamation to either gender in transition or post, it actually did surprise me when I opened the story. I, I saw that Arkansas had moved forward this bill and I said, wow, how depressing. And then immediately following it, there was another story pushed out that said that the Arkansas governor, Asa Hutchinson, Republican himself, actually vetoed the bill. This was impressive and it actually stuck to Republican thought, Republican precedent in why he vetoed it. It was, by his definition and in his own words, an overreach of government in healthcare, which we have heard for decade now regarding Obamacare. It has actually been ridiculous how long we've been hearing you can't do this, you can't get government in healthcare. And then they do want to push through stuff that stymies healthcare for those who want it slash need it, especially these youths who are so susceptible to danger be it self-harm or harm from others, these are those who need help. And so with this veto, it doesn't do much. Unfortunately, a supermajority in both houses of the Arkansas houses of government, it does appear that they will push it through regardless. It will go through is my anticipation. However, it does seem to show that on the very base level, there is some intellectual integrity with at least Governor Asa here, he is right to veto this bill, not only on a humanitarian level, but on his own thought, his own principles. He vetoed it in a Republican way in a with a Republican mindset. And that I must applaud him for. It is not necessarily me saying good job. He's been a great person for his entire life or even that he's a good person now. Rather, this is me here applauding him for sticking to his principles and showing that, yes, while there are reprehensible things going on, like that bill, it is oftentimes easy for him to just sit back, sign it, and oh well, you know, it went through, whatever, haha. He, you know, Republican uh, executive branch signs through a Republican legislative branch. That's not a shock. However, he went out on a limb and stuck by his own philosophy. And that, to be honest with you, I would say is one of the rarest things we see in politics these days. And I congratulate him for it. That was at least one act of sticking to your guns and sticking to your principles, and I respect that. So congratulations to Asa, and bravo, good sir, bravo. Thank you for listening through to the end. We'd really appreciate it if you check us out at Aligning America on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really enjoyed it and want more content like this, be sure to head over to our Patreon to ensure we can keep putting out episodes, changing hearts and minds one podcast at a time. Thank you.